Kia ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. This sermon series, uh, the aim of this actual sermon series is for us to learn um, how to welcome, now hear me here, how to welcome a life of sacrifice. Okay, in, in, in a world that we live in today, and a world, to be very honest with you, where you and I are quite self-centered in this world, um, in, in our lives. So this whole series is, is based on checking yourself, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself, you know, and, and so checking yourself and, and, and seeing how our lives line up to living Christ-like, or not, to be honest, <laughs> And so this four-week series, I just hope it'll help, you know, check our hearts individually and how we could bring our hearts closer to our Creator, which is Jesus. And so part one of this four-week series is titled, um, I mean, that's our, you know, main title, but today's one, subtitles is Self-Denial. And throughout, me personally, throughout my life as a disciple of Jesus, right, I've experienced personally and, and seen, you know, so many Christians today, and I've caught myself in this trap as well, how, you know, we as Christians, we love the things Jesus has done for us, and how our lives are safe and, and comfortable in Him, you know, um, there's such a safety in it, but the flip side is, many Christians, the Christians out there, not us, we're good Christians, right, but many Christians, they're, they're not they're not willing to carry the cross for Jesus. It's as if, you know, the cross of Jesus, it gets in the way of their lives. <laughs> and so today I'll be taking us through uh, the book of, of Mark. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 34. Uh, to, and to share more about my point, you know, of the cross that just can get in the way of our lives. So let me just explain a little bit around uh, this passage, um, give you a backstory, a short, very short backstory. You know, Jesus, he was, at this time of this part of Scripture, if you were to read it, Jesus was, he was actually becoming a popular man. He was a popular guy at this point of time of his life. And he had already, you know, this was, he had just finished feeding 4,000 people, a miracle of feeding 4,000 people. Um, it says 4,000 men, so it didn't even include the woman and their children. So there were more than 4,000 people that he had fed. And so he had fed 4,000 people. He had also, at this time, he, he had healed a blind man, a different blind man referring uh, to, to Blair's testimony today. Um, but it was a blind man that he had healed. So with these two sort of cases, especially the 4,000 people, right, and then after feeding them and then following him and then watching him fee, uh, heal a blind man, um, you can imagine how quick word, how the word got out about those kind of times, those cases of, of him doing these things. And he was, you know, he was the talk of the town and, and his name was becoming famous and people were beginning to ask, man, who was, who was this Jesus? And so we pick up our story here at uh, verse 27. 
And this is what it says. Uh, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages. This was after feeding the, the 4,000 and also healing the blind man. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And they replied, well, some, of, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Uh, others say that you're Elijah. Uh, Elijah was a, a you know, prophet from the Old Testament many, many years ago. And others just say that you're one of the, our prophets that have just come back. And, and then he goes in verse 29, but what about you? He's saying that to his disciples, right? Some of the closest people in his life. And he asks, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And then Peter, one of the main disciples that we always hear about in the Bible, he jumps up and he says, you are the Christ. Now remember, Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? <laughs> Peter is saying here, you are the Christ. Now, this is a big deal because the Jews had been waiting, right, for the so-called Christ for more than 3,000 years. And this Christ that Peter was talking about, it, it was a promise that was made throughout the Old Testament, and it was actually a covenant from God in the Old Testament. And God had said that this Christ, he would come and he would actually overthrow uh, the Roman oppression at that time. And he would just turn all the rights into, uh, you know, um, turn all the wrongs to rights. And he'd, this, this Christ would stop injustice and, and put an end to this curse that the Jews had just constantly lived from generation to generation. And so to call Jesus the Christ meant he was the Messiah, which was another term. He was also known, if you, he was the Christ, then he was the anointed one. So it meant that this Christ that Peter was referring to had finally come had finally come physically onto earth to win over against the Romans and to establish, you know, the glory days that they used to have, the Jews that they used to have back in, in the time when King David was alive. So this meant that the Jews could finally have a chance to have power and have success once again. And then, this is when the cross of Jesus gets in the way. Verse 31, this is what we read. We read, Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer, and he must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days he'll rise again. Yet 32, verse 32, Peter goes on and he stands up again, you know, high and mighty, and he goes, man, Pete, he took Jesus aside and he began to rebuke Jesus. He began to try and he, he tried to put Jesus in his place, in other words. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, and he looked at Peter, he rebuked Peter. And then he said amongst all his disciples, in front of Peter and the disciples, he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> wow, really? And then he goes on and he says, man, he says to Peter, you have no idea how God works. Get behind me. He put him in his place. Now, Peter, man, he reacted strongly against Jesus' idea of, of being killed. He just heard, man, you're going to be killed? So Jesus, remember, Jesus is supposed to be the Christ. 
that God promised the Jews 3,000 years before. Yet Jesus is saying that he's going to be rejected. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. I mean, when you, when you know that you've just called him the Christ, and then he says, oh, I'm going to actually die. I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get rejected, spat on. Then you think, oh, well, what good are you then? <laughs> I mean, how is... How are you going to help us? How is, is Jesus that we just said that is the Christ going to help? I mean, where's the hope in that? And so for Peter, the cross has gotten in the way. And Jesus just shared something that didn't, you know, it didn't sit right for, with Peter. And that is because that wasn't Peter's plan for Jesus. And this is a classic example of how many of us Christians, how we see Jesus as well. Most of us can come to God um, and expect, you know, God is as, as a consumer. He had, you know, he had, he has something that we need. And so, you know, it feels like you were, you know, you missed something. Life was too overwhelming to, to go through without God. And all of a sudden, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> or maybe you went, you, you know, you've gone through a crisis and you've just had no one or, or nothing to turn to. So what's the last option? It's Jesus. And some of us here may, you know, we've probably come to Jesus because we're scared to go to hell. <laughs> you know, we get scared into the, <laughs> into the gospel. Others probably, you know, you've probably given your life to Christ because it just felt like you, you needed some kind of belief to, to have a, a stable life or a stable family. I mean, I've seen many people come back to church, right, because they want their kids to grow up in church. And so they've left church a long time, and then all of a sudden as their children start to grow up, they realize, oh, let's start going back to church for our kids, I mean, I myself, I decided to follow Jesus because I hit rock bottom. <laughs> when I was at university, I just knew I was in a dark place. I had nothing else that I could turn to. And so there was, to be honest, there was no other option. I had no other option to turn to. And I had no other option to choose. So Jesus was my last hope. You know, whatever it was, or whatever it was, you, as you and I, we came to Jesus because we believed he could supply what we needed. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? The honest truth is, God uses our needs to show us that we need him. And so, that's why Peter, he reacted strongly against Jesus in the words that he was saying, that he would suffer and die. Not only, not only does Peter disagree with Jesus, but listen to what Jesus says next, right? Which is even more of a shocker for everyone else there that was listening. And it's in verse 34. This is the verse here, the beginning of the, the, this part. Then Jesus caught the crowd to him along with his disciples. Now he's gathering everyone that was following him, not just the disciples. Now he finished rebuking, um, you know, Peter in front of his disciples. Then he turns to everyone else. And this is what he says, whoever wants to be my disciple okay, a follower of this guy, whoever wants to be my disciple. Now, let me stop here before I continue on. These were people, remember, who were 
thrilled to, to, in following Jesus at this time. They had seen some, you know, some pretty amazing miracles. 4,000 men plus their families had just listened to Jesus for, for three days. And, and he does mirac- this miracle and, and feeds them all. You know, who, who wouldn't want to follow Jesus after something like that, right? <laughs> and all those people, the crowds and the disciples all alike, they just couldn't get enough of Jesus. So when he began saying this, whoever wants to be my disciple, they're all grinning at him. You know, and they're probably getting ready to wave their hands in the air. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Pick me. I'm ready to, to be a disciple of Jesus. But then again, the cross gets in the way. Because he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. And you've got to follow me. And I guess at that very moment, a lot of the men in the crowd would have started, you know, just bumping their wives and say, you know what, man, it's getting late, eh? <laughs> I think I can hear the kids crying. Let's go home. <laughs> it's time to go. First of all, to deny yourself. Jesus isn't talking about self-denial in a way that you and I, when we talk about trying to give up things like chocolate or certain kind of foods and fizzies and all of that thing, or you, you know, you're trying to give up a night going out with friends so you can study for an exam. You know, this word deny here, it's actually used twice in this way. It's first used in this context here, this deny yourself where the deny is used. And, and, and the, the other place that this particular way that deny is used is when Peter denied Jesus. And Peter denied Jesus saying, you know, he didn't know Jesus at this time when Jesus was being imprisoned and he was getting ready to be crucified. There were people that saw Peter roaming around just watching what was happening with Jesus from afar, right? And as he was roaming around three times, there's people that come in and ask, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Aren't you one of his followers? Three times. And all those three times, Peter, he denies that he doesn't know Jesus on that particular night. (laughs) And that's the kind of denial Jesus is referring to here when he's talking to the crowd. Follow me? Deny yourself. So God challenges us to deny ourselves. Denying ourselves to be a follower of of Jesus is when we are told things to, listen here, it's like Jesus is when we are told to stop being a rebel against God's glory or to quit trying to run from him. When Jesus says to deny yourself, he's pretty much saying, man, you know what, say no to your flesh. That's why I have to constantly, myself, personally, I have to constantly learn how to walk in the spirit, which means that you know, I'm open and I'm asking and seeking direction from the Holy Spirit. And when you learn to walk in the Spirit, that's when you are able to know, you know, the, the difference from, I guess, from having road rage, you know, driving to, to work uh, versus times of singing worship on a Sunday morning like this here in church. And both times you can hear the Holy Spirit so clearly that you can act appropriately in both times of those situations. Denying yourself is saying, you know what, man, I, I know, Lord, that, you know, I want to be treated well, but God, I'm going to deny myself today and I'm just going to serve somebody else. Or, you know, God, whatever kind of situation that you may be in, I, I know I, 
I ought to give this person a piece of my mind right now. But this is a time, Lord, I know that Jesus would be silent. So I'm just going to deny myself and do what Jesus would do today. <laughs> Second of all, we read this unique Christian command of taking up your cross. For Jesus to say this to the crowds, right, of people, they, they would have been a, it would have been a shocker for them to hear. And why is that? Because the Jews knew what the cross meant. You see, I don't think many of us have a, a full grasp of what the cross was in the history during the time of Christ. For us, the cross has become a sentimental kind of symbol of our faith, right? We decorate it with our, at home on, on, either on somewhere on the wall in our kitchen and the bedrooms, you know, or we wear it around our neck as, as a, you know, made of gold or beautiful diamonds. Yet there was nothing, there was actually nothing sentimental for the people during that time of Jesus about this cross. Because you can imagine, can you imagine going to a friend's house, right, and seeing this beautiful looking picture of a cross, right, in the living room, and, and you just don't think anything about it. I don't when I go to, you know, friends and family's houses. So for us, it's a symbol of what Jesus did for us, correct? Yet for the people during the time when Jesus was alive, the cross, it was a symbol of torture and death, nothing more. Now, I'm not trying to tell you, oh, man, I better go home and take my cross down in case Ulu comes around home and sees the cross. You know, I'm not trying to say that. Or, you know, I mean, I just want to make sure that we are, are aware of what it meant back then, the cross. So how do we take up our cross then? Taking up our cross does not mean putting up, you know, it doesn't mean putting up with difficult people, okay? It doesn't mean like putting up with an alcoholic family member or, or just some kind of cruel parent. It doesn't even mean that we should add more suffering to our lives by carrying the cross or, or let people take advantage of or abuse us as Christians, everyone in that time of Jesus, in Jesus Christ's day, they knew what the cross meant. The cross was an instrument of death. So when he says to take up your cross, it meant, first of all, that you were going to be mocked, that you were going to be spat on, and probably persecuted for your faith. You're going to get killed as well. So in other words, Jesus is saying, yeah, come, be my friend. Join me, even if it means that you get in trouble. Even if it means that you become an outcast and a rebel for me. Are you willing to go against the grain of your culture that you live in right now for me? So taking up your cross, it, it's, it is not an invitation to allow people to abuse us. Taking up your cross means to follow Jesus even when you're ridiculed and even when you're mocked. So here we have it. The cross, once again, it gets in the way. And third, follow me. Jesus says to, to follow me, to follow him. Just when you thought, you know, denying your own personal desires and, and choosing to carry your cross, you know, you're carrying a cross pretty much with a target on your back to be mocked uh, for your belief in him, then he has Jesus, he has the nerve after saying all those things to say, okay, follow me. <laughs> but get this, many people 
who give their lives over to Jesus, a lot of times they just assume that life is going to be great and that all your troubles and suffering will eventually go away. You know, I grew up in, uh, back in the day going to so many churches, and I loved it, just attending different churches um, that I could in, in the evenings because, you know, I had my own family church that, I was, uh, that I'd go to every Sunday. But then on Sunday nights, I was free to go to other churches. And I'd go there, and, you know, some of these churches back then, they were just full house. And I remember the, the pastor, you know, or, or whoever was preaching, they'd call out, man, you give your life today, son, daughter of God, you know, you will never be the same again. God will bless you. God will give you all these, these great things in your life. You know, and then, man, I now went up. Every week I went up <laughs> to give my life again and again. <laughs> because that's how much I love Jesus. You know, but we assume that life is going to be great with Jesus and all our troubles and our sufferings will eventually go away. But then as soon as that happens, as soon as any of us as Christians, when we go through maybe our first hard trial and you suffer in it, all of a sudden we turn on God because somehow he hasn't kept his end of the bargain. And so we all, you know, we all have this expectation of Jesus. Even Peter, he had an expectation. He believed Jesus was the Christ. He believed he was the Messiah, the anointed one. He knew that the one who, you know, he, that he came to overthrow the Rome, uh, Romans and, and give freedom back to Israel. For Peter and his expectation of Jesus, that wasn't, you know, it wasn't what he wanted to hear when Jesus explained, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer, I'm probably going to get killed. Um, and so I ask this question to you, what would you do as a Christian on fire for God or your journey of, of learning to, to walk in his presence, what will you do when Jesus doesn't fit your expectations? Will you throw your hands up in the air and think, oh man, forget this <laughs> and walk away from him? I've been guilty of that. That's definitely a moment of truth right there for many of us when those times have come or when they will come, because they will come. And at some point, your desires are going to, you know, it's either going to go one way, right, in our life as following Jesus, but, but Jesus is going to tell you to do the opposite and go the other way. And it's at this point you're going to have to decide whether you choose to deny yourself and take up your cross and, and follow him. Will you be prepared to deny and follow all because the cross, you know, it, it might just get in your way? Are you willing to follow him? The cross might be in your way where you're challenged to, to end a relationship you you don't want to personally end, but God is knocking at your heart to end it. You know, when I gave my life to Christ, I've shared this so many times, the first thing I had to do was give up hanging out with my friends. I never blamed my friends, my closest friends, um, for the sin that I did. Because it's easy to say, oh man, if I hang out with them, I'm going to do A, B, C, and Z. 
But I realized I have to stop hanging out with him because I'm a sucker for falling into sin. I'm so influenced by that influence. And so that's why I had to stay away from them. Yet, that was a cross that was in the way because I had to choose, am I going to carry this cross? Because then I realized, yep, if I do that to follow Jesus, I have no friend. And so I'd spend Friday night sitting at home, not going out. And I hated it because I had no friends to call up <laughs> to hang out and read my Bible. <laughs> well, Saturday, and it was so hard. No one knew because I'm such a performer, so I knew how to perform in front of people and act how I was, but I was lonely. I'd sit at my house at home in my bedroom back in Tiaratu when we used to live out in Tiaratu North, and I'd sit in my room on those Friday nights and those Saturday nights. Just didn't know what to do with my life <laughs> after I decided to take up my cross because I didn't realize that, oh man, this is not easy at all. And then you had friends that would accuse me for thinking, ah, you're, you think you're better than us now. And I'm trying to say, man, brother, it's not that at all. And how do you explain to them, it's because I can't hang out with you because of what you guys do. <laughs> you know? And they think, oh, it's our fault. It's our fault that you do all these things. <laughs> you know. And so you're struggling and battling. And I would go to university, wake up and go to study lonely. And then I'd see other Christian friends there and I, don't, I thought I was better than them, so I never made friends with them. <laughs> but God shaped me, and he broke me as I walked through because I chose to carry that cross. You know, maybe it's, it's, the cro maybe it's to, to make a, a financial sacrifice. I don't know, the cross of Jesus, you know, it just loves to get in our way during times when we have to deal with our love for money. How about when the cross is in your way because it's telling you to forgive somebody? And right there and then, you do not want to forgive them. They have no right. They don't have the right for me to forgive them. I'm hurt, not them. That's what the cross does. You know, I'm sure, you know, you've faced a time when the cross was in your way telling you to speak boldly about the gospel to a certain friend or a family member that you love. And then you have a choice whether you do it or not. You know, at some point, obedience to Jesus is going to take, you know, you in a direction. It's going to take a 180, uh, an, uh, 180 degree opposite turn of, of what you want. You know, a true self-denial that he is calling us to take. And in that moment, you will have to answer that, the question, you know, did I, am I doing this or did I come to Jesus to get something from him? Or am I here because I want to offer myself to him? Do I want something from Jesus or do I just want Jesus? It's a hard place. And I've, I'm stuck, I'm constantly stuck in that kind of life. Even as a pastor, even as a leader that, that you know, that, that's blessed to be part of this church, the cross is always in front of my face. I mean, we had Victory Week in yesterday, you know, and I was with, our group was a hard case group, it was me, Finau, and Philip. I think we were laughing more than, you know, laughing from our personal experiences of life. 
But you know, I was I was able to openly share about a cross, a couple of crosses that were just in front of my face that I did not want to deal with. And I was like, man, I, if I can get through this, if I choose to move this these crosses out of the way, you know, it's that dirt off your shoulder, you get to dust it off. And we were, I learned that the more, the faster you get to forgive people or, or walk in the obedience of Christ, you may not see a result straight away, but I tell you, there is always freedom when you go through it. But you have to choose. So when that cross is in front of you, when Jesus is saying, yeah, you're going to deny yourself, you're going to humble yourself, you're going to pick up this cross now, because right now this is the cross that I'm asking you to carry. The cross of whatever the situation that I'm wanting you to deal with right now. But at the same time, don't carry the cross and walk in a different direction. You carry your cross. You follow me. I'll guide you. And that's the scary part. But God, I, I don't want to. I don't want to forgive. Or I, I don't. I'm, I'm broke. Or I don't trust you, Lord. I can't. I don't know what's going to happen if I give this to you. And that's a faith step. That's a place where you cannot touch. That's a place where you cannot fix. I was sharing with some brothers, I can't remember this week, and we were talking about all the worries in our life. You know, number one is probably a small worry. Number 10 is probably the worst worry that we got. And sometimes us as humans, we get attached to the, the number 10 worry, the worst worry in your life. Yeah, we were saying, well, why don't you just think about number one. Number one seems like you can handle because you can physically do something about it. Yet that warrior number 10, you can't touch that. That's God's realm. He deals with that. But what about number one? You're too busy trying to focus on this number 10 that, that can put you into a dark place of depression because it just hasn't been sorted yet and you're telling God, work this. Deal with this number 10 worry that I've got. Yet, you're forgetting that you can just work on number one that's probably a lot more doable and let God worry about that. Would you be willing to do that when he's telling you to deal with number one, which is, this is cross number one. <laughs> Are you ready to move this cross? Are you ready to carry it? Are you ready to follow me? And so, the sermon series, check yourself. This is where we start with our lives. This whole self-denial, and I already explained what that self-denial means for us. Are you willing to do that in this season? You know, Is God challenging you right now? Is he speaking some things in your life? I know some of you may be sitting here thinking, man, it's like you're talking directly to me. No, no, God is talking directly to you, <laughs> just like he, as he has for me as I've been preparing this word. So I want to encourage you. Will you step up in this season? Even though if you want to be a disciple, this is what it costs. Yes, there are some blessings in it. But at the same time, it's not going to be easy. So I know some of us in here are fighting so many things and we've been waiting for so long for God to do something. Let me tell you, hang in there. Keep pushing through. Keep trusting God. Let him deal with the things that you cannot touch or change. Trust in him. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, God.